0: here uh, because it has to do with the sermon. Psalm 56-1, directions to the choir master according to the dove of far-off Terebis, a victim of David when the Philistines seized him again. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. But I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife, they lurk, and they watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape? In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept, kept count of my tossings, Put my tears in your bottle. are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. Um, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, and God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God. In the light of life. The word of the Lord. Thank well, we get a great opportunity to talk about fear together. Isn't this gonna be fun? It's exciting to talk about fear. You know, I've heard, <laughs> you're scared of this topic. I've heard, you know, this is very strange, I've said this before, that you know, one of the greatest fears, even more than death, is public speaking. And so I figured that we would test this. And so as you came in, I wrote everybody's name. And I'm going to call your name and you're going to come up and you're going to give this sermon right here in a second. So I want to go ahead and call up myself. I would never do that to you. But some of your hearts were racing. You know, fear is interesting. It's, whether it's real or imagined, it gets a grip on us. Paralyzes us. Almost stops us like some sort of poison in our blood. You know, over in the history of your life, you probably had some opportunities to experience fear. I remember a time when I was a, a younger upstart and I was on staff with Young Life and I got the definite sense that God was calling me out of Young Life. The problem is I didn't know what God was calling me to. Now this is a great lesson for you younger folks out there from someone who's middle aged If you don't know where you're going, don't quit your job. Okay? Oh, makes sense? You know, because as soon as you say, hey, I think it's time to leave, The wheels in your employer begin as he thinks about building your position. And so I found myself, oh my gosh, I I have a house, I have one child, I have another on the way, and I'm leaving this and I don't know where I'm going. And truth be told, I was afraid. A lot of fear and uncertainty, isn't there? Wondering what's going to happen. Oh gosh, what was this decision I made? You know, well, it did work out that time. But you know, different kinds of fear assail us. We all have experienced something like that, whether it's fear of the past, you know, things in our history that have happened, maybe the person I was, the decisions I made that have come back to haunt me like the ghost of Christmas past. Maybe it's fear of the present, a current situation with your employment, a relational situation, something that's going on with your grades or with your tuition, you don't know, but it's a present fear. And maybe it's a future fear. What's going to happen tomorrow? You know, I've never seen our country in such a state of uncertainty. There's this low-lying fear and anxiety. What does the future hold for our republic? See, the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter if fear is real or imagined, Because in our hearts it feels the same way. So what are we to do with fear? Well, we can stuff it push it way down deep in our souls so we don't think about it. But fear is a very difficult beast to tie down, isn't it? Seems to want to come back. Well, maybe we can brave it. You know, we can raise our sword and rush headlong. We can conquer this fear if we're tough enough and brave enough. But fear is a very difficult opponent, isn't it? We can either stuff it or brave it, or we can take it. I believe that we cannot manage fear on our own, that we have to take it Somewhere. But the question is where? And this passage in Psalm 56 is all about David, a person that struggled with the same things that we do. You know, we tend to think of these Bible characters as these flat, two dimensional people, but they were ordinary people just like you and me. They had fears and hopes and dreams and doubts, even King David. And so we're going to examine David. Because David went through this process. First, he tried to solve his fear by depending on man. But the only way in which he conquered his fear was by depending on God. See, David in Psalm 56 gives us a formula for fear. Number one, turn from God. Uh, Excuse me, turn from man. Number one, turn from man. Then, number two, turn to God. Turn from man, turn to God, and walk, number three, in obedience the truth of the matter, the only way we can achieve victory over fear is by shifting our eyes from the fear of a situation to faith in God who is over situations. Well, let's look at David and the choices he made. Number one, this decision to turn from man. You know David's history, some of you. He was just a shepherd, ordinary guy that gets thrust into this incredible situation. These tens of thousands of men, You know, there's the Israelites on one side of the valley and the Philistines. And David comes and he's just bringing some food to his brothers. And out steps Goliath, this giant, nine feet, massive, who's, who is taunting the armies of Israel for days and days and days. Well, something happens in David's heart that doesn't happen in those other 20,000 guys. Because he steps out and he says, who are you to defy God? This day, God will give you into my hands, and we will destroy your army. And everyone's laughing as this shepherd boy steps out with five stones and brings down <laughs> this champion, and the entire uh, people are routed. The Philistines run, and it's a huge victory. And so David gains acclaim. He's brought into the king's palace, and he continues, he becomes a captain of the king's army, of King Saul, and he keeps on becoming bigger and bigger. The crowd shout out that Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And Saul's jealousy rises from within him. In fact, two times, Saul tries to kill David by hurling a spear at him. And both times, David escapes. Well, David knows, I've got to get out of here. I I have some very big fears here because the commander of the entire army wants me dead. In fact, as David flees, there's thousands, tens of thousands of people looking for him. So David knows fear. What does he do? Think about this. What would you do if 10 or 20,000 people were coming looking for you? Here's how David responds. He responds by going to this man called Achish. 1 Samuel 21.10 says, And David rose and fled that day from Saul, And went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now wait a second. Wasn't Goliath from Gath? Indeed, wasn't the battle that just took place a little while ago between the Philistines, most of whom were from Gath, the closest city, and the Israelites? And yet David, if he went into the post office in Gath, guess whose picture would be up there? It would be David. David goes, it appears that he was trying to get in and be anonymous, trying to get hired on as a mercenary. He doesn't come as the king. He comes very quietly. Why would David do such a thing? I think the answer is simple. He didn't have anywhere else to go. You know, it's interesting when we get in that situation, when we're in trouble, where do we go? What decisions do we make? David didn't know what else to do or where to go. So he went to Gath, the very place that he shouldn't have been. And lo and behold, his clever plans come to naught he's discovered. Because they say, isn't this David to Achish, his helpers, the king of the land? Don't they say in their, in their songs, Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands? And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. So... He changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Is this not the same David who walked in front of 20,000 men with five stones and said, I will defeat you all in the name of the Lord? And he's taking the insanity plea. Have you ever done this? You know, when things aren't working out real quick, it's very simple. Just go insane and somehow you'll get out of it. Okay, he's taking the insanity plea. Why? What is he going to do? He's surrounded by these guys. Listen to what Achim said. He said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. See, David had his plan to go And lo and behold, it was discovered. And David was left in a situation where he had to betray his integrity. Think about that. David, the great king, is standing there in front of all of these people, acting like he's insane so he can live. All that David stood for with Goliath is what he's repudiated in this situation. David lost his integrity. The truth of the matter was David trusted in man, and man failed him. It's easy for us for a laugh at David, isn't it? But don't we do the same thing? We run to people when we are in trouble. You know, if I get involved with this group, then everything's going to turn out okay. I know that things are difficult, but if I just stay with this guy, it's all going to work out sometime. Yeah, I know I don't like him, but, you know, if I talk to him enough, maybe he'll give me this job, and I need a job, and I need to take care of that, and so... You know, I'm going to go ahead and do that. And we assign power to people over us who shouldn't have that power at all. Some who use it to manipulate us and hurt us. And then when people don't come through with the things that we demand of them, we're angry at them and upset. Why didn't you meet my needs? Why didn't you do what I wanted? And we lose our integrity As we put our heart and our hopes on man instead of God. I remember a situation that I found myself in. I had left my job, another job, and I had started a little consulting company. And I had two big clients. Okay, and they were helping me. I was making more money than I'd ever made in my life. Two big clients. That's always a little bit dangerous, you know. Because if you lose them, well, the problem was that they kind of interacted with one another. But not exactly. Okay, so I had a situation where I had two (coughs) clients... And one of the clients asks me to do something that's right on that line. Okay, it's not black, it's not white, it's gray. It's not over the line, but it's pretty darn close. And as I think to myself, whoa, wait a second here. I'm making more money than I've ever made before. I've got a lot of writing on these clients. What am I going to do if I lose this client? If I don't do what he's asking me to do. And so I walked as close as I could to that line. I don't believe I stepped over it, but I walked pretty darn close. And at the end of the day, as I examine you know what? I sacrificed my integrity because I should have been nowhere near that line. And at the end of the day, it takes you a million years to establish credibility with someone, doesn't it? And it takes just a minute to lose it. And as I look back upon that, I realized the truth of the matter was this, that I was trusting in man rather in God, and man will fail you. Not because he wants to, they're good people, but there's a danger when you make an important thing an ultimate thing. So I ask you, what's your circumstances? What's the line in your life right now? What are you dealing with? Maybe you struggle with insecurity, you don't feel good about yourself, but there's this crowd right now that's saying, hey, why don't you come out and hang out with us? You could be a great part of our gang, and you know it's not a group that you should be involved with. Yet at the same time, they make you feel good that you're with them, and you're wondering if maybe this is a good decision to make, giving power of yourself over to them. You know, people aren't always bad, but some people are. People want to help, but sometimes they can't. So how do we know when we're crossing that line? You know when you look into your heart and you realize that whatever it is that they're asking you to do or you're doing is compromising your integrity. Is compromising your honor. Is it conflict with your values or your beliefs or your wisdom? Is conflict who God wants you to be? See, the reality, my friends, is circumstances are the test. We want to live a life in which everything is fine and we never have any conflict in our life. But that's not the way life works, is it? In fact, some of these circumstances are from God. In fact, God is over everything. God is over all these circumstances, and they're given as a test. Who will you depend on? Because God understands ultimately that we will only find peace when we take our eyes off the fear of the situation and on to the one faith in God who is over the situation. And so, we must make the decision to recognize, to look into our hearts, to see what's going on with who we're putting trust in. We must recognize, but then we must return. We must step out of that situation like David. We must reevaluate who we're trusting in. Because it's only then that we can start walking the path of faith that we need to. Well, let's look at what David does next. This is my second point. David turns from man and he turns to God. He runs the escapes, he's hiding in this cave. Now he's got. 20,000 guys going out from here. Who knows if the Philistines have gotten excited and said, Look, this guy's unarmed. He's got everybody against him. And so, what does David say? Verse 1 Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. He cries out to God, Here is my situation. Verse 8 You have kept count of my tossings and put tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? See, he's saying to God, you know what's going on in my heart. You know that I can't sleep. You know that I'm crying all the time. Are you paying attention to what's going on here, Lord? I need you to be gracious to me. For man is trampling on me, the very man that I trusted in. He cries out to God. Here's my situation. But he goes further. He not only cries out, he spells it out. Here's what's happening. All day long, verse 1, an attacker oppresses me, for many attack me proudly. Verse 2, my enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. uh, Psalm 56, 5, all day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they've waited for my life. David not only cries out, of his feelings, but he speaks out, he spells out his situation. And then, he gives his petition. Here's my situation, Lord, here's my petition. Verse 7, for their crimes, will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. In other words, God, take out these people who are unjustly accusing me. Come to my aid, protect me, give me water. <laughs> uh, Help me, Lord. Verse 9. Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. He petitions God. You know, why do we do this, Lord? I think it's because we're afraid that He may not answer. I think it's that maybe we are afraid that His arm is too short to save. But David says, here's my situation, here is my petition, protect me. But he goes even further. He says, here is my declaration. Verse 56, 3, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? Verse 10, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do? Do to me. See, it's interesting, he goes from all day long, these people are doing this, to I will not be afraid of flesh, what can man do to me? He makes a declaration. Here's my situation, here's my petition, and here's my declaration, that I am going to trust in you, even though it seems like I should. You know, as I look back upon my life and these situations, you know, whether it was with my job, leaving Young Life, whether it was through some of those difficulties that came, and they will if you're in a consulting business. You know, it's when you get to the bottom, when you get all the way down into the bottom of your life, that's where Jesus is. You know, you will never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you got. And often we have to get to the end of our circumstances and to the end of ourselves after we've played the cards, you know, and dependent on Him, and Him, and that situation, and that job, and that, and you have nothing left, when we get to the end of our circumstances, then we're ready to turn to God, to cry out, to give our petition, and to declare. See, I asked you just a little bit ago, what's your circumstances? Now I want to ask you, what are you going to do with them? See, we can turn to man, or we can turn to God. We can bring our passion and our fear and our doubts and our hopes to God. God, here's my petition. Here's my situation. My heart is heavy. I'm lonely. I'm scared. The counseling isn't working. We don't talk to each other anymore. Our house is very quiet. Here's my situation. Here's my petition, Lord. Move in our situation. Give me courage to stay the course. Give me strength. Do something in a situation. Ask. Here's my petition. And then finally, here's my declaration. Lord, I will trust in you. What can man do to me? I will set all of my hope in you. Even if this whole thing goes down, I'm going to go down looking at you. Because I have turned uh, from man and I have Turn to you. I will shift my eyes from the fear of the situation to faith in God who is over the situation. David turned from men, from the Philistines. He turned to God in that cave. And finally, number three, he walked in obedience. Responding in obedience and thanksgiving. Look at uh, Psalm 56, 12. I must perform my vows to you, O God, I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Now, let me ask you a question. Has David's circumstances changed? They haven't changed at all, have they? He's still in a heap of trouble. See, what's changed is not David's circumstances, what's changed is David. As he's turned to God and made the decision, I'm going to walk in obedience. He says here that I must perform my vows to you and I will give thank thank offerings to you. He's speaking about some things that were given in the book of Leviticus. That there was a system, remember, of giving offerings. That the Jews would give offerings either for sin or they'd give them for thankfulness or if they made a vow. So a thank offering is a free will offering. You don't have to bring it. You simply come and you give it because you want to. There are no strings attached with David. He's saying, I I want to give you thank offerings. I'm thankful that you are watching over me. Yeah, but David, there's still 40,000 people coming in. No, no, no. I'm thankful that God you're watching over me. And then he says, I must give my vow offerings. Leviticus 7, 16, if however his offering is the result of a vow, this sacrifice shall be given and eaten on the day he offers it. Anything left may be eaten over the next day. See, a vow offering is when you make a vow. You make a decision, a vow to God, this is what I am going to do. And a vow offering is when you go to the temple, you offer your sacrifice, it's like putting a stamp on what you said, ratifying it in the presence of God. And what is the vow that David has made? He's basically said, I will not fear man. I will trust in you. I will praise you. I will walk in faith, no matter what happens. See, obedience is the outworking of trust and confidence in God. It's walking in the path of God's commands. You know, the Bible is true, but it's not exhaustive. But it gives us enough, God gives us enough uh, of what we need to take the next step. The Bible tells us not to lie, not to give false testimony. So, in this particular situation, should I come near that line? No. Why? Because God says, don't give false testimony. He says, honor the Lord with your body. So, if I'm in a situation where I know I'm getting close to that line, God tells me to do this. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen in my relationship, but I know this is where I need to walk. God says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I don't know if this person at my job is going to bury me, even though I don't deserve it. But the Bible says to love him and to pray for him. How the heck am I going to do that? See, God gives us a path. And the path to joy is paved with the stones of obedience. So what is God calling you to do in your particular situation? See, there are no quick fixes. I wish that I could just tell you, you know, you pull this lever and then you turn this dial and you count to three and voila. If you choose God, it's that easy. Now this is a journey of faith. There's no quick fixes. But God says to walk in obedience as you turn to me. So the question is, how are we going to do that? You know, it's easy for me to come up here and tell you, oh yeah, this is the way to go. But we all go home, don't we? And that step of faith becomes harder and harder as we see the circumstances around us. See, the only way that we can walk in this path, even if we know it, to have the power to walk in this path is not to trust in man, but to trust in the God-man, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus doesn't give us a philosophy. He gives us himself. And Christ has gone before us. And everything that he calls us to do, he has already done. See, Jesus never trusted in man, did he? Here he comes on the scene as this carpenter bringing his message of salvation to the world. And the scripture said that when people heard him, they wanted to make him king. You know, let's go take over Herod and we'll give you the kingdom. But Jesus did not entrust himself to men, the scripture said, because he knew what was in a man. What did Satan say? If you only worship me, I'll give you everything that you want, all of these kingdoms. If you're the Son of God, come down from that cross. And I wonder if Jesus ever thought to himself, you know what, if I do these things, you know, I could get my message out better. A better platform, you know? Take down here, Then everyone would have to pay an attention to me. This is a great human solution. But Jesus was the God-man. And Jesus knew that he couldn't lead people unless he didn't need them. And so he made the decision not to trust man, but rather to turn to God. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with his friends? Stay here. And he goes to God and he says to his friends, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he has this beautiful prayer to his father. God, take this cup from mine. Do I have to go to the cross? Because Jesus was afraid. He was afraid of pain. He was afraid of what obedience to God would mean in his life. Is there not another way? See, Jesus was anything but stoic, wasn't he? His tears were like drops of blood as he cried out to God, Here's my situation. Here's my petition. But here is my declaration. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And Jesus decided in that garden to walk in obedience. And that walk took him up the path to the cross. When they wanted to take him, Jesus said, don't you know that I can call down 12 legions of angels? I can wipe out all of these people. But that's not what God has called me to He's called me to suffer, that I might bring life to my people. And at the very end of Jesus' life, what he says is he's up on the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. How can we walk not in the fear of man? How can we walk in obedience to God? Because Jesus Christ has done that and he lives in us and he gives us the strength and the power and the love and the desire and the hope and everything we need to take that step. See, the truth of the matter is, my friends, we won't, but he will. He's in us, and we're in Him. We don't even want to, but He's in us, and we are in Him. And He will, because we follow not a philosophy, but a risen Lord who captivates our hearts, who turns us from the fear of man to the fear of God, and leads us all the way to life, even if it takes His death. See we want to help each other and my hope is as a church that we are the kind of people that come alongside one another and we really are the body of Christ and we really listen and we really reach out and we really care because God has designed people to need people. I'm not disregarding people but at the end of the day when we go home and no one's there we are alone and God will meet us in the darkness. And so, wherever you're at, turn from man. Recognize it, either with your actions or with your heart. Turn to God and lean into him. And step by step, shuffle by shuffle, minute by minute, walk in faith in the one who is in you. Because when you shift your eyes from the fear of a situation to faith in God who is over a situation, then you will experience peace, regardless of the hardest trial you may be going through. Let's pray. Jesus, it's so hard to walk in the path of obedience. When all of our circumstances conspire against us, when people even beguile us, trust in me, I'll get you to where you need to be. But you call out to us as the crucified and risen Christ. Turn to me. And be saved. The thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Lord, I pray that we would be broken people. I pray that our hopes and dreams and trust in man would be shattered. That in the darkness of night and at the lowest point, we would look to you. And we would experience the peace of knowing that you love us, you care for us, and the situation that we are in is not too big for you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.